Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Welcome back to this week's episode on our two-parter on Gen Z trends. But, you know, before we jump in, our usual spiel here, you know, please make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service. And you know what? Maybe take it a step further. Have a friend or two (laughs) that that could actually find some value in this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure you probably already have done this. But, you know, if you haven't, you know, tell them about it. Um, you can share us on Instagram or just send one of your favorite episodes that you can get um, on our website, like I said, URL. Um, so we have been getting a lot of really awesome reviews lately uh, that actually talk about how valuable this podcast is, which is exactly why we made it. Yeah. You know, how different it is, how it's beneficial to all types of professions and careers, because it does examine trends at a cultural level, which is just really on the nose. Um, so, you know, it, you know, taking that industry trend talk out of it, stripping it down and, you know, discussing it in a fun and informative way really does add a lot of value to your life. And that's really why we're here. Yeah. Also, I just want to know what everyone's favorite episode is so far. Oh, we should do a poll. We're going to do a poll this week on Instagram. We need to know. Okay. Remind me if I don't do it, but yes, (laughs) I'll remind you. And speaking of Instagram, come on down to at underscore the uh, underscore department. Uh, you can also find us and our show notes on our website, thedepartment.world. And if you have a free moment, literally it just takes a moment, we would love for you to give us a star rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts because that pushes us up the algorithm and into more ears so that you would be doing oh. us a massive favor. Plus, we love reading them. Yes. So the first trend I'm going to talk about this week is rare aesthetics. And aesthetics is a word that is popularized really by the Gen Z generation. I mean, honestly, I kind of think that like, what is it called? Meno? Menocore that we talked about last week. It, maybe God, like, that makes me squeeze my knees together. I don't know why. <laughs> it does. It's kind of a... Just a strange, <laughs> yeah. It feels. I feel like that maybe was one of like the beginning, like uh, beginnings of like an aesthetics because it's so like niche and like it's basically about creating this aesthetic around some some personality, even like normcore. But mm-hmm. the Gen Z generation has just embraced it as part of their culture, and it's sort of this evolution from that world of Tumblr that infiltrates lifestyle and fashion choice. You know, last year we did talk about various niche aesthetics like, you know, cottage core and dark academia. So I won't go back into that this episode, but if you haven't listened to it, it's episode four, one of our first ones we did uh, very interesting and informative. Um, but aesthetics are just a highfalutin word for visual style. Since we're all (laughs) creatures of our own personal brand 
and creative through social media. So it's a concept that's very important, particularly to the Gen Z generation. And there is a diffusion of the overarching aesthetics trend called rare aesthetics that's getting really popular on TikTok. What you'll find is I'll be mentioning TikTok a lot because really Gen Z is very passionate about TikTok as the way that they really do communicate with each other. So Amanda, have you ever heard of rare aesthetics? I have, and I probably not surprisingly, I'm obsessed with this idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited that we're going to talk about it because I feel like my life is hashtag rare aesthetics. Yes. Especially my like 2021 life. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm, I'm excited that you know about it too. So rare aesthetics are a nostalgia art form. <laughs> because you can call it that. That champions something that is not wildly obvious or available and are created to essentially what they say, what they call unlock a memory that you might not realize has potential to create an emotional connection to your past. And one of the most popular examples and something that I absolutely adore is continental breakfast at a chain hotel rare aesthetic. Have you, have you looked at this one at all? No, but I mean, this is fascinating to me. So are we talking about the kind of like you go to a hotel and you get the free continental breakfast yes. as you go downstairs? I mean, I yes. I love this idea as an aesthetic, yes. actually. <laughs> yes, it's a rare aesthetic. And it's a series of elements. This one is photo clips of like photos clipped together, like just taken from the internet. Like a lot of it's like on white or just like a photo that they pulled from like – you know, a Holiday Inn Express or something with the soundtrack of a Crystal Castle song um, of, you know, like all those continental breakfasts, you know, like, like little packs of frosted flakes and the trays of scrambled eggs, the white tablecloth laden with grocery store variety bagels and muffins, light and fit yogurts. Oh, you know how I feel about a light yeah, and fit yogurt. Of course. Yeah. Disgusting. But yeah. But it's an aesthetic. I get it. I get yeah. it. And it was a constant on your family vacation that you took for granted. But seeing them, it evokes this uh, like nostalgia and longing for a simpler time. And there are tons you can find on TikTok. If you just search hashtag rare aesthetic, like going to your grandparents' house and playing with your mom's old toys. It's an actual one. Mm. There's also morning after a sleepover. And I loved this one. I actually watched this one. It was called, was your hometown hippie boutique? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love like that skirts with like yeah. the print. At our mall, we had a stand in the mall that oh, was outside yeah. Walden Books. That was the hippie stand, and I think that would be mm-hmm. a great TikTok. <laughs> that would be oh my gosh, yes! Like any of like those stands in the in the mall. Uh huh. Even like the the weird stores that had like pewter figurines, <laughs> yes, with like wizards and oh my things. gosh, yes, yes, <laughs> Are the, like oddities or what would you call those? I don't know. I- <laughs> Amanda, do you have a rare aesthetic that you would ever love to see? Oh man, I mean, you've got my brain going down the mall route right now. Yeah, and I'm thinking about going to the express in the mall in like 1989 
and like yes. the music yes. and the lighting and all the ribbed t-shirts and like the way it smelled and like I don't know I mean I think I have to say that I'm obsessed with rare aesthetic the one that I've been really focusing on which is my own rare aesthetic um for a lot of the like stuff I've been doing for close horse dot world which you all know I'm obsessed with faux fruit and really yes. it's all about this rare aesthetic of my grandma's fancy living room. Um, oh my because my grandma, like a lot of mid century ranch houses had the family room where yes. we would all watch TV and you know, it was comfy or whatever. And then she had her like fancy living room, which I never actually saw anyone sit in. And it was like really funny, like, like the sixties reinterpret, like, French maximalism, you know, mm -hmm. and like, like that kind of furniture. And then like she had, which I have one of these now, one of those hanging lights that like rains and it's really beads of oil. Um, and hers had like, you know, the Venus de Milo in it. Mine has a horse in it, but like <laughs> this like idea of fake mm -hmm. fancy, which I also mm -hmm. like when I think about like the things I want to arrange and the feeling I want to create with stuff that I find thrifting that falls into that. I take my grandma's living room and that's like in one side of my mind, like what I'm picturing there, the like fancy, fake fancy furniture and the green shag carpeting. Um, oh, and yeah. Just the lamps and everything. This like major maximalism and combining that specific, this is so specific, but Trader Joe's, <laughs> I've talked about these on the show before. <laughs> Trader Joe's makes these brandy beans that come out every Christmas. And the box is so 70s. And it's like a hand holding a brandy snifter in front of a fireplace. And this really 70s maximal font. And so the yes. feeling of the brandy bean box combined with my grandma's yes. living room. Remember, I actually found where the brandy bean inspiration came from. It was like a German brandy bean, and they literally knocked the whole thing off. <laughs> that of this, doesn't like, surprise me at all. Does I was like, literally the exact same package. I was like, I mean, you know, set up just to be the exact same thing. You know, like they didn't like steal like they didn't like take a photocopy of it. They, like, right. they just set it up to be the exact same. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's well, that doesn't. Now we know. Now we know they're knockoff artists mm -hmm. over there, but still, it's their own rare aesthetic, which is German chocolates. Yeah, the German chocolate culture, which is very, very famous. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not mad about it. I'm sad I didn't get any brandy beans this year, but I just wasn't willing to drive all the way mm. to the nearest Trader Joe's, an hour and a half away. That's um, true. But, <laughs> but. I I love this because I think rare aesthetic is so much more fascinating because it's so mm -hmm. individual, whereas a blanding, which was the dominant force for so long, was universalized mm -hmm. and it felt it was it felt oppressive. People love the the cleanliness. It just yeah, it was a, cle a cleansing palette, and this is just like no. I felt like for <laughs> me, I felt like it was taking people who are really into cleaning and forcing it on me. <laughs> Like, yeah. I mean, I like cleaning too. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Exactly. It's very rewarding. But like the people who are into like tossing stuff out and Marie Kondoing their house, like that aesthetic was being forced on me. And I was just like, no, I love an explosion of color and nostalgia and feelings with the stuff yeah. that's around me. And so it just never felt, it felt, it never felt right to me. I certainly for years would have been way too mortified to post a picture of my apartment 
on Instagram, (laughs) fearing the judgment. Now I feel more empowered Mm -hmm. than ever, but. (laughs) You know, what reminds me of Rare Aesthetic is that um, documentary on Blockbuster. Oh my God. And how that's like a real rare aesthetic that you can actually go and experience. Or like, you know how they'll do like the weird like friends pop up, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and you can go and like go to the coffee shop. I mean, those are like rare aesthetics all of them, but those are ones that you can actually experience. And I I bet there'll be some more IRL rare aesthetics. I want someone to recreate my grandma's ranch house. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just need to do it. If anybody wants to invest, I mean, not to get you all too hyped, but in the basement, she had a rec room that had red flocked velvet wallpaper of matadors and like gold trim on it. And there was a stone fireplace. And then there was like a really Western looking bar with like the, like the rails on it. Um, and there was always soda back there. My cousins and I would play bar, which we didn't know anything about bar, but we knew you like got drinks from someone at a bar. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was like crazy, like red velvet furniture down there. Um, anyway, who wants to come to my massive ranch house (laughs) installation? (laughs) We all do. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, there was this bar in New York that was called Welcome to the Johnsons. Mm. I don't know if you ever went. It was basically, it was a bar in the Lower East Side, and it was supposed to look like your parents' basement that you could hang out in. And it had, like, you know, pa- pictures of families, and there was um, couches, <laughs> and it was hilarious. Like it was like it was like your family's basement in the seventies, essentially. That sounds pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a pretty cool. You know, it was a little hipster joint. You know. Yeah, of course, um, naturally. So rare aesthetics is so popular because nostalgia is essentially comforting. Mm-hmm. And I looked up online how nostalgia affects the brain and why it's so important, especially now. So there's this website, uh, How Stuff Works. And there was a really cool breakdown that was kind of interesting. I wanted to share it. Um, They say that neural activity, which causes the release of all those, you know, feel good chemicals like dopamine and things in your brain is activated at a higher rate when you are 12 to 22 years old, which imprints Uh itself in a much more impactful way than all the other years of your life. So if you are listening to one of your favorite songs during this time period, like this 12 to 22 year, years old, you are experiencing an extra intense reaction that associates itself with the time, place, events, and emotions happening. Uh, and the emotions are influenced also by high levels of raging hormones occurring in the brain. <laughs> So it's this huge collision course that makes nostalgia feel greater when you're reminiscing back during that time frame of anywhere between 12 and 22 years old. Wow. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, You know, why else is nostalgia so important right now? Well, during times of stress, like let's say a pandemic, social upheaval and environmental crises, Nostalgia can remind us that we are not alone, that we are loved and that our lives have meaning and let us relive that hormone instigated dopamine high of a certain time when we need a lift most. So How Stuff Works adds, and I quote, research shows that nostalgia promotes a laundry list of positive mental states and behaviors. 
So after nostalgizing, is that how you pronounce that? Nostalgizing? Nostalgizing, yeah. I guess. I didn't even know yeah. that was a verb. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, they say it is. Um, people experience higher self-esteem and feel more socially connected. I mean, you can imagine people are in a pandemic and kept so, so far away from others. They're more optimistic, generous, and creative. They worry less about death. Nostalgia then can be a coping mechanism, a tool for picking us up when we're feeling lost, bored, or lonely. I mean, all of the things that have been happening over the past year. Mm -hmm. There's no wonder nostalgia is such an important part of the culture right now. Dr. Alan R. Hirsch of the Smell and Taste Treatment and Research Foundation, a, you know, a little bit of a mouthful, said this about nostalgia. I quote, nostalgia does not relate to a specific memory, but rather to an emotional state. This idealized emotional state is framed within a past era. Idealized Past emotions become displaced onto inanimate objects, sounds, smells, and tastes that were experienced concurrently with the emotions. So essentially, nostalgia is really a longing for an emotion, not even an event. And so rare aesthetics mm -hmm. is trending because mm -hmm. Gen Z is looking to find comfort in small emotional experiences. Hmm. Which takes me on to the next cool trend, which is you know, another trend that can also ride right alongside the ugly trend and something we kind of mentioned briefly last week. Um, it's the Y2K aesthetic. So with the ushering in of resale and vintage as a choice shopping destination for the Gen Z consumer, 90s style is blowing up with like, actual real clothing from the 90s, as well as other brands, obviously, you know, who are picking up on what they call the Y2K aesthetic. You know, think glitter, glitter, pink, brat stalls, and reruns <laughs> of the nanny with very 90s bold, loud patterns and Spice Girls fashion references. Also think dresses over jeans, skin-tight animal print tops, all of the works. I blue eyeshadow. You got it. Y2K <laughs> aesthetics are a full-on rejection of norm core and the minimalism. They are also a rejection of fast fashion and the impact that it has on the environment. The aesthetic came, of course, out of the nostalgia and cyclical nature of the fashion system, as well as Gen Z's fascination with the 90s. But it also became it's also because there's a ton of 90s fashion available in the resale world. It hadn't been popular because the style wasn't mainstream. Millennials all considered it, well, ugly. And as Gen Z is wont to do, they gravitated toward anything the generation before them dislikes. Of course, we've seen it. Which is hilarious because millennials are influenced by whatever is cool. So now they're following Gen Z and picking up on the Y2K and 90s love affair as well. Which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. I There's this pair of mm -hmm. shoes that I wore really heavily in like 1999-2000. And they were like futuristic Mary Janes. And my mm -hmm. hope, they're Rocket Dog, by the way. I think that's important to call out. Oh, my God. And my hope I, is that yes. I will be reunited with a pair of those at some point. I'm constantly checking. 
That's hilarious. <laughs> Does Rucketown not make them anymore? No. I mean, you <laughs> – I mean, first off, it's always surprising that Rocket Dog is still in business, um, but they are, and I think it's time for them to bring back the classics. Not that I really want to go buy a new pair of shoes. I would be much more excited if they were secondhand, but yes. I miss those shoes. They were a really good look, and I feel like they feel more relevant than ever. That reminds me of when we were at Nasty Gal, we went to the Chinese laundry showroom. Oh my gosh, showroom. I remember that. Were you there with me? No, but I remember you telling me that you went because I was like, what? They're still in yes. business? Well, not only are they in business, and they actually, you know, they they, they did really well for us um, on the, the, the product that, you know, that we bought because it was, a, you know, it was a good price point and it was pretty style forward. They had a whole, I guess, museum of their past styles. Whoa. And they actually had inventory of a lot of their past styles too. And so it was, it was a whole room, just a huge room full of like Chinese laundry shoes from the nineties. Amazing. And the aughts. And yeah, you could just like go and explore and, and just look at all of these, these like old shoe trends. And you're like, do you have any of these in stock? You'd be like, yeah, we've got like 20 cases. Oh my gosh. We'll give them to you at like 80% off. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, okay. So in similar regard, 2014 is popping up as a throwback trend that Gen Z are embracing in regards to the fashion aesthetics as a nostalgia for the early oddies time. <laughs> <laughs> so the lines are a bit blurred on the, the, t- the trend timeline. Um, but the meaning is actually obvious. They're going back to the style they had embraced or aspired to maybe saw someone of like a slightly older generation, just, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. um, and aspired to that look um, based on their age. Obviously, you know, 2014 TikToks are all the rage. Tumblr girls, American apparel, fishnet nets, Doc Martens, liquid eyeliner, <laughs> nose piercings are like cool again yeah and vice reports in an article it's called gen z are already nostalgic for 2014 by serena smith she says the hashtag 2014 aesthetic has over 1.5 million views on tiktok users are posting pov videos of themselves in matte lipstick with the art with an arctic monkeys soundtrack <laughs> 20 somethings are revisiting old tumblr content Heavy on the ripped tights and finger tats. And teenagers are imagining what it might have been like back then. Over on Depop, you'd be hard pushed to find a genuine American apparel tennis skirt. The crowning jewel of 2014 culture. Trust me, I have been down this road with Dylan. Serious? Yeah, yeah. Last year, we we definitely had a really hard time finding it one of them got lost in the mail it was wow. it was a lot of there's a lot of anxiety around this american apparel tennis skirt and i was like if only i'd known i would yeah. have traveled back in time and when baxter stole all of that american apparel <laughs> stuff stole. i just asked him to grab an extra tennis skirt for dylan in the future <laughs> if only you would have known if only <laughs> so how do you feel about this 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 trend of 2014 
does this make you feel? (laughs) Well, I mean, for one, it wasn't that long ago. No. But it technically, but it's like eight years, right? Yeah, but I just, that's not that long, I guess. And it's it's an interesting one for me. On one hand, I'm like, uh, literally, I mean, I feel like you and I were working at Nasty Gal in 2014. So it feels, it feels really weird to me because like that is like recent times for us. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, that's what's in the thrift stores right now. Yeah. You know what? That's what's available on the secondhand market. And I want people to go buy that stuff and use it. But I think it's really interesting because, you know, in the 90s, we did not think it was cool to suddenly start wearing 80s stuff. No, absolutely like not. That is, like, that was mortifying. Mortifying. Mortifying, right? And then in the aughts, some hipsters, like, specifically the more sort of, like, party, electroclash kind of hipsters, would wear some 80s stuff. But yes, it was very... had a sweater. It was very specific, right? Yeah. It was, like, and new some, wave. Yeah, exactly. It was like, I remember a common search term on eBay, which was the best place to buy vintage clothes at that point, was avant-garde. Yes. Like, that's the kind of 80s stuff we were looking for. And so it wasn't quite the same thing either. Oh, and and avant-garde had to have been spelt with some capital letters mixed in. (laughs) With lowercase letters. Why? Uh, I don't know why. The Delia's effect. But. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting because what separated the 80s, well, many things, from 2014 is that you can literally go pull up a 2014 Tumblr right now. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. from 2014. I mean, all that stuff I was pulling up about basic was from that era, you know, and we have a more accessible historical document of the culture mm-hmm. of that time at our fingertips. Whereas if you wanted to look at eighties fashion right now, for example, you'd have to, we'd be really limited to be honest. Yeah, exactly. um, and I think that maybe makes it easier to be nostalgic for 2014 mm-hmm. and have it be more, I don't know, like literal, I guess is what I'm saying is the word I'm looking yeah. for because you can see it right now. That stuff still exists. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. And it's actually in a lot of people's closets still. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the gen- the younger generation. Um, it's their idealizing a version of the relatively near past because people are reminiscing about, you know, they're like basically at home, you know, looking mm-hmm. at old photos, mm-hmm. leaning into their closets and finding treasures from a time not too long ago and looking to dip back to a time far, but like not too far. Something that maybe they actually remember and, but kind of far from our current reality mm-hmm. when we were, you know, maybe more naive and more self-centered. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, it's a nostalgia about so something that, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a, such a different world. I mean, I think that is the crux of it because mm-hmm. I have found myself periodically over the last year being just overwhelmed by this wave of longing for mm-hmm. different times. Like when we, the more we talk about 2014, I'm like, yeah, I'd go back to that. Yeah. That was a good time. Things felt less frightening. Mm-hmm. You know, feel th- there felt like there was more potential 
in the world. Yeah. And uh, I, I can see that. Obama was president. I mean, there you go. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. You know, and I, I get that. I mean, I definitely have periodically, I will just such longing for something that like, I know in its reality wasn't perfect, um, but for some reason just seems so much more desirable. I mean, it was before like full collective trauma. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which, and personal trauma. I mean, you had so much personal trauma. I mean, we all have. And which is not to say, like, listen, I'm not like, can we just please go back to 2014? Because in real talk, it was no. it wasn't a great time. That ultimately. was that was when girl boss was really big. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, you know, racism, sexism, mm-hmm. ableism, all the isms flying mm-hmm. high. You know, mm-hmm. uh, no one would have talked about that. And I, I don't have that longing. You know, one of my favorite hashtags that I see on Instagram being used by the vintage community is vintage style, not vintage values. And so mm-hmm. when I talk about a longing yes. for 2014, not for what that world intrinsically was, but maybe just for those idealized. Yes. Yes. For feeling like there was this sense of hope, even if that hope was misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. So, Moving on to some fashion icons, Amanda, when you think of millennial fashion icons, particularly like during the Audis or trendsetters, whatever, who do you think of as like millennial icons? Wow. That is really hard because we I'll, know. I'll give you one. Kardashians. Oh, I was just going to say that. I mean, right? I'll give you another one. Beyonce. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, who else? And what are they? What do you imagine them wearing? Oh, I have one. I have one. Okay, Lana what is it? Del Rey. Lana Del Rey. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And what's what? What is her personal style? I remember Lana Del Rey wore a lot of flower crowns. Yeah, and uh, like very feminine dresses. Mm-hmm. Are we? Wait, are we saying that flower crowns are coming back? <laughs> no, we're not. I'm just taking a look at what the millennial fashion icons are. You know, you know, you're saying super feminine, flowery, you know, uh, uh Beyonce is really bodacious, you know, um Bodcon Kardashians as well. Lady Gaga was, and her just like Lady Gaga uh, ult- yeah, Lady Gaga, the ultimate insanity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was all hypersexualized, you know, oh, um, very all of feminine. It was. Even even Lana Del Rey was hypersexualized, yeah. I would say. So Gen Z loves Billie Eilish. And she is considered their fashion role model, which is very interesting because Billie wears a lot of sweatshirts. She mixes comfort wear, that ugly, that ugly, quote unquote ugly looks. Mm-hmm. Um and color favors to create this style that's individual and not sexualized. In fact, she talks about not wanting to be sexualized and like really, you know, pushing back on that. I mean, there was a whole, uh, you know, scandal where she was featured in Vogue, you know, I oh, remember two months that. ago. Yeah. And there, but you know, ultimately that's just, that's not her personal style. Her personal style is like, oversized clothes at very kind of tomboy. It Could you, could you imagine 
you know, maybe like Britney Spears or Kim Kardashian or <laughs> could you imagine them wearing this? And like that's no. what they're wearing on like a runway? No. Or not I a mean, runway, but like a red carpet. I mean, it's wild. But also like to go back to Chugi, can we all mm-hmm. just agree that the Kardashians are Chugi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like sure. Like if we if we go back to that idea that I'm I'm standing for, I swear that Chugi is a really about disposing of casting aside all of these like commodifications of certain aesthetics and just the lack of sincerity and genuineness and stuffing ourselves and faking our bodies into these clothes that yeah. are uncomfortable. And just and tons of privilege. Just tons of like just so much uh, pri- like these people are so privileged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go back to like Kim renting out a private island for all of her friends so they can have mm-hmm. like a normal birthday party. Meanwhile, all the people waiting on them on this island are wearing masks, you know? Yeah. If we go back to Chugi being all of that, all of that gross consumption and just fakeness, then we know that the Kardashians are yeah. very Chugi, right? Um, it's hard for me to imagine, like if you look at someone like Kim Kardashian or any of her sisters, repackaging themselves in a way that's appealing to Gen Z. It just doesn't how how. I yeah. You know, I it, it I mean, it's a whole like culture that the millennials have come to love of this like plastic surgery and fillers and what's that makeup that they do the contouring. Yeah, oh my god, contouring is so chuggy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, just all of that, like all the weird body shaping, clothing, and stuff like that. Like it's making yourself look perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Have you seen Euphoria? By the way, I have. I have. I haven't seen it because Neil has is the one that has HBO, and he's already seen it. But <laughs> Rude. I know. Maybe I'll watch it one day when he's like taking a nap or something. Um. But Euphoria is considered also a leading influence oh, in fashion for Gen Z. For sure. It's like in the way girls was for millennials. Yes. Yeah. And Sex in the City. Oh, yeah. It's basically Sex in the City for the Gen Z set. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But darker. <laughs> but darker. Yes. <laughs> but a lot darker. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Um, but also, you know, it's it's authentic. It's real. Yeah. You know, it has some sparkle. It has some, like, 90s. It's, you know, it's done in a really fantastic way. And, you know, I could only imagine, you know, just like how you would have to watch the Sex in the City and come in and buy, like, the flower, the large flower or whatever. Like, you have to find the trends. I'm sure that the buyers at Urban are watching Euphoria um, and doing the exact same thing. They definitely are. Trust me. <laughs> Trust. Trust. Yeah. Um, okay. So talking a little bit about <laughs> some of the things that actually aren't cool. <laughs> but and then it's okay cool. if you still like these things. Oh my gosh. You know, yes. just just to be clear, I think this idea of what's cool or not cool is yeah. like painful. <laughs> but yeah. nonetheless, we're going to be talking about like things that somehow have been uniformly decided are uncool by someone, right? By the whole generation that ate Tide Pods. Yeah, I think that's a really important call out that <laughs> this, that's a call out that a lot of a lot of millennials have. 
about a lot of these um, criticisms. They're like, I am not taking this from a whole generation that ate Tide Pods. Imagine eating a Tide Pod because Ugh. we had a sample of them in the mail one time for some reason because I guess they were trying to poison Dylan or something. <laughs> and I we ran out of laundry detergent and I was like, I guess I'm going to use this Tide Pod. And it's huge. Yeah. How do you eat that? You, I don't want to know. Why are you eating that? I don't know. One time I will say on a dare, I drank some dishwashing soap and it was horrible. And <laughs> it was a dare. Threw up. Yeah, it was <laughs> terrible. Anyway, I can't <gasps> imagine eating a whole Tide Pod. Oh, all right. So be forewarned. And, you know, this actually comes as a devastation to myself because I, <laughs> I have a whole drawer full of this. <laughs> um <laughs> Skinny jeans are decidedly not cool for the Gen Zs. They're at Old Navy, guys. What did you think That's was going to happen? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> at Old Navy. <laughs> so as of early this year, there were uh, 274,000 videos tagged no skinny jeans on TikTok. Man, that is a d- war. That raging. is sad. That makes me angry. And you know I don't wear jeans. I mean, Gen Z is basically telling people to burn their don't their, burn their, your skinny jeans. Don't just, just burn wear them. Out. Please wear them. I get. You know what? They're comfortable for a lot of people. You feel confident. They're mm-hmm. easy to outfit. They're versatile. Um, most importantly, they're not biodegradable. So just keep wearing them. Yeah, please. that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So you know, obviously, there's a lot of wars on TikTok and the, between Gen Z versus millennials, and this is one of them. Um, and it's actually really, really heated, (laughs) but you know what dominated the denim market for nearly two decades? I mean, that's a long time. Of course, we all know that trends are cyclical. It, Mm -hmm. it had, it had, this was the longest. This is so long. It's kind of thinking about the denim trends in my life to date, half of that was skinny jeans. Yeah. Because remember, we were wearing skinny jeans before they were widely available. Oh, and so, yeah. Like, I had to make I, them. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just, like, can't believe. Because the denim trends in, like, high school and college or the denim trends I remember my mom and her friends wearing, they changed so much, you know? Yeah. But then, like, skinny jeans just came and settled in. They were, like, they're, like, sexy, you know? And that's kind of what millennials yeah. like. It's the more... Flattering, form-fitting that, you know, raged on from hipsters to raunch culture to, you know, Kardashian area. It was just, you know, it makes sense that it was the silhouette of choice. And now it's only one third of denim sales, which is actually still a pretty big chunk. Um, That's a chunk of change. (laughs) It's It's still a big chunk, but it used to be, you know... Like two thirds, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. or maybe even more actually. Um, and right now, it's kind of a crapshoot between like boyfriend, mom jeans. Um, but while I was looking into this ugly trend, something came up time and time again. So a few years ago, there was a lot, a lot of chatter about something. <laughs> um, so this ugly trend had manifested itself in a new silhouette of pants that a lot of editors had really had a hard time wrapping their heads around, which might also be why sweatpants became so popular during the pandemic. These rigid retro jeans 
that are arguably neither comfortable mm. nor oftentimes flattering on a lot of body types, um, as well as that sailor style made popular by Rachel Comey and Jesse Cam, have been literally everywhere for a couple of years. For years, yeah. Um, have you ever worn these or tried them on, like a Jesse Cam pant? I have tried them uh-huh. on. They looked horrible yeah. on me. Uh, I didn't feel yeah. good. They're not comfortable. No. And I was like, yeah, that's right. I don't like jeans. Done. Done. <laughs> like, I, I have worked so many places during this time where we were trying to figure out what to do with denim. Because if you worked in the fashion industry, no matter what kind of retailer you worked for, skinny jeans were a cash mm-hmm. cow. I mean, you know. If they fit, yeah. We would be selling everywhere I worked. Skinny jeans all day, every day. Because the other thing is like people would have to rebuy them a lot because they would lose their shape. Or they would wear out in like the crotch. Oh, always, right. Or whatever it is. And not in a good way, apparently. So brands and retailers that hadn't seen a really good denim business since like the late 80s, Mm -hmm. early 90s were like selling – nonstop denim. And so it turned into a big business for everyone. And slowly, you know, skinny jeans were dying off for years. They have been. It it Mm -hmm. didn't happen overnight. And it's not because of Gen Z. It's just people got over them. Maybe they got over how you have to keep rebuying them all the time because they wear out. Or maybe they got into dresses. Like a $200 jean that you have to repurchase every like six months if you wear them a lot. Exactly. Is, you know, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And so... For the past five or six years, I, I swear, everywhere I worked, we're trying to find what the gene is, trying to just hold on to some of those denim sales yeah. in any way possible. It reminds me so much, actually, at Nasty Gal, one of the categories I managed was sweaters, which is not a category that you would go shopping for <laughs> at Nasty Gal ever. But about a year before I joined the team, there was this one sweater that looked like an 80s, I mean, first off, it was super fast fashion. It was from the San Pedro Mm. Apparel Mart. It wasn't high quality. It wasn't nice yarn, but it looked like an oversized, like, 80s tennis sweater Uh with, like, the the striped trim and a V-neck. And before I joined the company a year before, the sweater had come in, done really well. They replenished it, replenished it, replenished it. The thing is, that's the only sweater that had ever sold for them because sweaters were not a major part of the Nasty Gal business. But instead, they built an entire sales plan based on this one freaking sweater that had sold one time. And so I I would be in these meetings all the time. Remember that like really abusive head of planning guy? With him being like, Amanda, what is the next sweater? Why aren't you finding it? And I kept saying, there isn't a next sweater. Sweaters are not cool right now. You're not going out in a sweater, particularly in California right. where the giant chunk of the, the customer is. They're not going to Vegas wearing a giant sweater. Right. I was like, we need to take the sales plan for sweaters and move it into outerwear. Get people more cape blazers and mm-hmm. so-called vegan leather jackets. Like, why are we pushing the sweater the sweater? narrative that isn't isn't real yeah and i feel like everywhere i've worked for the past few years has been doing the same thing with denim we're like no denim is really important to our business we've had such a big denim business for so long and it's like yeah that trend passed yeah it's denim it's is waning. very cyclical so we started bringing in all these wide leg crop jeans mm-hmm. 
We had one at Nasty Gal actually that did really well the first time we ordered. It did okay the second time we ordered and then no one ever bought it again, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a really hard silhouette to wear. And these were rigid, so it made probably them got even harder. Like it probably had really bad ratings because you know you could rate and mm-hmm, and they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't like edit the ratings out. So some would just have one star, and then when it had one star, then you couldn't sell it <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's everywhere I've worked. So even yeah, at my exactly. last job, we were still buying into these jeans. This silhouette mm-hmm. has been forced through. For the past few years, and no one's buying it, or they buy it once and then they return it. Yeah, and I just think we have to accept that this is a different time for denim. You know, just like it, Nasty it Gal is. needed to accept that they had that sweater that one time. That doesn't mean that Nasty Gal is a destination for sweaters. No, it's not. It's not a game changer. I mean, sweaters were giving me like a permanent stomachache at that job because we were just never going to get oh. back that magic of that one style. Yeah, <sighs> which is, like, such a strange – I wonder if, like, a Kardashian wore it or something. I must have, right? I don't know. That's that's usually what happened was something would blow up because a Kardashian wore it. I could see, like, Kendall Jenner wearing it or something. Yeah. This was, like, not a nice sweater in the first place. So if you bought it once, you weren't going to buy it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have not actually tried on those pants because I'm super wary of tight-fitting 100% cotton pants. I don't feel like I have the body type. It really looks good on rail thin people. And I've seen them look good on rail thin people, but it does look like you're kind of getting a wedgie all the time. Yeah. Um, weird. You know, but that's kind of the look. But everyone associated that pant, which is, you know, not a skinny pant because a skinny pant has the light gras and it's got the, the skinny leg and, you know, all that. This is This is something totally... totally different and vintage. So there was an article from the cut called succumb to the siren song of uh, unflattering pants. Um, It was done in 2017 by writer Molly Fisher, who spent the whole article dissecting this, this trend in complete shock and awe because she saw it everywhere. And she was just like, okay, what is this? Why do I see this on all these skinny people? Why do I see this everywhere? Why are people wearing a pant that is kind of not very flattering, but also not very comfortable? (laughs) (laughs) So she says, (coughs) excuse me, she says, the hard facts. These pants embody a masochist aesthetic. They are ostensibly chill, and yet they are not comfortable. High waist. <laughs> this no nails stretch. it because they do yeah. imply comfort. Like you Implied. look at them, right? But then you put them on and you're like, yeah. oh my God. It's right up in the VGJ. Yeah, actually, I remember being at market with one of my associate buyers who was wearing these jeans, this exact silhouette that had been gifted uh-huh. to her by a, a vendor. And she was like, I'm really uncomfortable right now because my vagina hurts because of my jeans. And we were in a cab and I felt really bad. She was like, it's <gasps> terrible. I feel like I need an ice pack. Oh, <laughs> I gave her some Advil. Yeah. yeah. You gave her some Advil? I don't know. It looked, it, looked, it looked uncomfortable, okay? Like bruising. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Um, she says, high waist, no stretch, devious center seams. At their most extreme, they have the potential to be punishing 
both physically, like you said, you don't feel good. And visually, you don't look so good either, which seems like a remarkable achievement. We have arrived at wide leg pants that are somehow more restrictive than the typical tight ones. Obviously, not to say that I think that these are ugly pants. I actually think, you know, when people wear them, I think they look really, they look cool. And if they, they can pull them off, I think it looks great. And I'm sure that we have listeners who have them and crush it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just, <laughs> just they, skinny jeans were comfortable. Were, I like oh, how they're, they're they're like they died. Yeah. <laughs> like yoga pants. Yeah. No, and I still wear mine. Totally. Totally. Even though they're kind of apparently chuggy. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Cares? So Amanda, skinny jeans are out. So what else? Well, face with tears of joy, which is the official name of the emoji. <laughs> That's what it's called. <laughs> yes. Wow. Which is like the laugh crying emoji mm-hmm. is apparently really passe. So if you use the laughing crying emoji, according to Gen Z, you are old. So Gen Z reportedly saw everyone from all the older generations using it so much, like their mothers and their grandmothers, their aunts, that they now refuse to use it. So I actually heard about this earlier this year from the younger people I work with. And I I was like, what? But that's the most wildly, widely used emoji. Why would you, why, why would you cancel it? But anyway, I asked them, what you could use instead. And apparently it's the dead skull face. (laughs) (laughs) It's an appropriate emoji swap, which means I'm dead or I'm dying. Okay. Noted. Which personally feels really off color and insensitive, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So I just like, it was like, really? You're going to use a skull? (laughs) <laughs> but apparently, that's that's the thing. Okay. Just so everyone knows, but I still highly, I welcome fear, t- face with tears of joy emoji, <laughs> especially <laughs> on all Instagram posts <laughs> and memes. Okay. Another one is side parts. Oh, man. I've There's been hearing about this. There's a huge debate about side parts in your hair. And Gen Z is trolling millennials all about side parts. Apparently it's sunner part or bust. And side parts mean that you're old as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. I will just say side parts come and go. It's true. And center part is always timeless. I don't know what it is about side parts, but they, they are a thing that is a lot trendier. (laughs) They, yeah, like the z the zigzag the zigzag oh, sorry man. zigzag center or um, side part oh there was the center part was zigzag also yeah I, I had a center part zigzag in like the early nineties and I worked hard on it oh um, yeah that that took a while but I definitely remember having a haircut in junior high that required a side part which my hair is just like guess what I don't do that and so it was mm-hmm. like a lot of stress. <laughs> It is. It is. So I'm like, yeah. let go of your side part. You might feel a lot more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like a hairspray thing when your hair naturally, because it naturally has a part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mine is smack in the center of my head and that's where there it's staying. Yeah. There you go. And it looks great, Amanda. Thanks. You're apparently cool. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Just so you know, you know, no lasagna, but your side part or your middle part is cool. <laughs> 
and burn your skinny jeans. I don't have um, any. Good news. I'm ahead of the curve, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the last uncool thing that Gen Z is raging war against is hashtag adulting. Oh, I hate this. Yeah. So I'm relieved. <laughs> yeah. And this idea that millennials launched like a million memes about is considered lame. And the younger generation is calling millennials out for not acting like grownups. Wow. And I think this is an amazing and interesting concept. The generation that rebelled against the older generations and created side hustles and girl bosses and building your own path is also rather childish and selfish at times. Obviously, not everyone, you know, uh, but like stereotypically. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand why Gen Z is pissed. Yeah. You know, millennials are supposed to be the role models. But, and of course, you know, like I said, it's clearly not all millennials. I'm going to make sure that that is very well known. There's a lot of really great millennials out there doing a lot of great work. <laughs> um, and we talk about this constantly on, you know, countless occasions in our podcast. But on their watch, millennial culture inadvertently and advertly perpetuated systemic classism, racism, sexism, ageism, ableism, all the isms. <laughs> all of them. And Gen And Gen Z is pushing for accountability, equality, environmental change, and conscious consumption. So I think ultimately, you know, they're disappointed and resentful of the generation before them. Like they've been shafted. Like role models. Mm -hmm. Gen X could be considered the more responsible adults to the younger millennials. You know what this is making me think of, though? Huh? It's making me think of the boomers, right? Uh Uh-huh. Um kind of being very oh, no one's going to like this hot take mm. here mm. boomers and millennials are more similar than you might think because Ooh. both generations dictated the culture for several decades right mm-hmm. both were pretty sizable in terms of population mm-hmm. and both were really focused on consumerism and consumerism yes. what they bought defining who they were right gen x that's true. Our favorite forgotten generation was mm-hmm. not would challenge that with the boomers and had a lot of resentment. I've been yeah, re- don't sell out, right? Don't sell out. I've been rereading a lot of books and other things of that era of when the when Gen X became adults and were pushing back in like the early nineties, and mm-hmm. it really it reads so similarly to what Gen Z is saying about the millennials right now that I actually That's feel like amazing. Gen Z and Gen X are very, very similar. They're playing similar Mm -hmm. roles, and so are millennials and boomers. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. that way, but that's where we are right now. Definitely. That's interesting. That's a hot take. Hot take. take. So many millennials are going to be mad at me. But (sighs) I think that there was this idea that the boomers were going to change the world in the 70s, mm-hmm. right? And they did to a certain extent and, you know, and in the 60s. But then they kind of stopped and got focused on shopping. The same expectation <laughs> was there for the millennials. Think about it. The boomers had the 80s, which was the the me decade, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about consumerism, yuppies, designer jeans, dynasty, you know, that kind of stuff. Millennials... Yeah had the hipster culture. They had the raunch culture. They had fast fashion and influencers and Facetune and reality television. All social media, yeah. Yeah. It's a very 
very similar. My hope is mm-hmm. that Gen Z doesn't get sort of cast by the wayside in the way Gen X has been. I feel like hopefully we're we're on a precipice right now of saying like, oh wow, Gen X was like up to something good. Like let's yeah. recognize Gen X and hopefully Gen Z will follow in those in those that path. Um, yeah. which is not to disparage millennials, but we know that millennials were supposed to change the world and then all we did was buy lots of outfits. Like we know <laughs> that now. It's not too late to set the course mm-hmm. straight, right? Yeah. Um, but the best way we can do that is by listening to Gen Z, listening to Gen X and not being defensive. And it's okay mm-hmm. to keep your skinny jeans and eat lasagna. Exactly. <laughs> there actually is something pieces uh, in trend reports on Gen Z that they say that they're basically this generation of Gen Gen me as well as Gen we. And that there's definitely a lot of selfishness and a lot of social media and there's, but there's also a lot of embracing of the we and, and, you know, everyone around everyone around you that hasn't been seen before, mm-hmm. you know, actually like, <laughs> I love equality. that. I love mm-hmm. that. But I mean, it's still a balance because there's still a selfishness that's always going to come, you know, like you can't avoid it, mm-hmm. but at least there is a bit of another, another angle kind of coming in there. Um, so, okay. What I was saying was that Gen X could, yes. And I love what you said. It could be, you know, but they could be considered more of like the responsible adults to the younger millennials. Yeah. That's um, what I'm thinking. So millennials are supposed to be the role models for Gen Z and we have legions of girl bosses and brosuses <laughs> drinking wine and debating what Harry Potter house they're in, embracing the disposable e- economy and fast fashion, hurting the world that they should be working to make a better or to make better for the generations after them. And Gen Z is just like, grow the fuck up, yeah. you know, stop, stop lamenting being an adult, be an adult for us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit more about home ec or the modern day family and consumer sciences and the stigma against these classes that had led to the disappearance in schools and sort of an upcoming podcast. And honestly, I see this like trickle down of hashtag adulting that has roots in the loss of these essential life lessons that launched millennials and now Gen Z into a world without really knowing basic adult skills, like cooking for yourself, sewing, personal financing, and the struggle is abundantly clear. (laughs) Oh my God, for sure. You know, the Gen X generation was like the latchkey kids, right? So they kind of had to learn how to take care of Mm -hmm. themselves, you know, cook, cook food after school, do housework and things like that. Um, the millennial generation was the helicopter parent era, right? So it was like you were always going to after-school activities, babysitters. You were never alone. Um, You know, I grew up out in the country where we were always a decade behind, so I got to be a latchkey child too. And so I have a lot Hmm. of skills that people around me, some of my peers just never had. I remember going to college and a lot of people I went to school with didn't know how to use the washing machine. Yeah, You know, I, I... And that was just the beginning because I've worked with so many people over the years who only eat takeout because they don't know how to make food. They drop off their clothes to be washed at the laundry because they don't know how to do it. You know, we we feign that a lot of these things are for convenience and to a certain extent they are, right? Because if you don't know how to do something, it's very inconvenient to try to do it. 
But more than anything, it's just like, it's like there's been a stigma against so-called adulting. Yes. You know what? Being an adult sucks. Or learning. You got to do it. Like your parents aren't even teaching you. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally Because they're babying and like they're babying that they're like babies. And a lot of people are just going into society without literally not knowing how to like use a dishwasher. Whoa. You know, it seemed very basic to me that if I had a clogged sink that I would, you know, hop on YouTube and watch a video about how to fix it and then just fix it. Yeah. Rather than being like, I guess I'll just start washing my hands in the shower. You know, like that's the kind (laughs) of guys I would go out with. Yeah. I was like knowing how to do taxes. Yeah. There's always like some sort of obscure like complete inability and breakdown like like doing taxes yourself was just absolutely even though they're easier than ever (laughs) yes there's an app for it i know i know yeah just do the app yeah i mean i why stigmatize being an adult being an adult has yeah it's stressful right it would be great to just go sit up in my room and play barbies all day but uh i also like get to make my own rules and stay out all night and eat whatever I want. So maybe yeah. being an adult isn't that bad. But I think making sure that people are prepared and we'll talk about this, you know, in a, in a future episode, but actually making sure that generations are prepared to be adults is so important and something that we have just lost. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Gen Z. I mean, uh, they do watch a lot of YouTube videos. So hopefully if they don't know how to do something, they'll just watch a video. Yeah, I know, because they might not be able to ask their parents. Or a TikTok. Maybe like those, as they start learning something, they'll start making TikToks of like how to unclog a drain. Yeah. <laughs> or fix, fix the toilet. I mean, listen, you know? half of the stuff I've had to do as an adult has involved me going on Google and finding it out, yep. you know, Me too. whether that's first aid or unclogging a toilet or, you know, cooking fix- a turkey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. I do wonder if that sort of got skipped with a lot of millennials because there were so many other things to focus on because yeah. social media, your feed, your image, your, your aesthetic, curating yeah. your life. Yeah. And you know, th- for a long time, your personal brand was the most important thing about you. Absolutely. Even when it came to like getting a job, you know, Mm -hmm. the friends you would meet, the things you would get to do, like I get it. But our parents never talked about their personal brand. Yeah. (laughs) You know? That's Uh, true. Gen Gen X, you didn't have a personal brand because that was like consumerist. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what happens with Gen Z. I think it's not too late for millennials to change their course and live a more genuine life. But they can still wear their skinny jeans. Just going to say mm-hmm. that again. Don't burn them. Yep. Um, if you like them, you like them. I think that's – Yeah. You know what that is? That's the very definition of unchuggy is just wearing and doing what you like because you like it. Not yes. because and of if it any exists. Trend. Yeah. In your closet, don't just throw out all of your skinny jeans because some Gen Z kids think that they're not cool. I mean, that's also extremely not Gen Z. That's like the opposite. Yeah. Also, 2014, that was a lot of skinny jeans back then. Yeah. Just just so you know. <laughs> yep. That's what we were wearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even I was probably wearing some back then. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if that's a trend, 
skinny jeans will be coming right back. Yeah, don't worry. They're like in two years or something. Yeah, don't worry about it. Keep your <laughs> if skinny you jeans. If you care about trends at all, which you don't need to, just wear what you like. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's the end. This was what an exciting two-parter. Absolutely. This has been so amazing and engaging and fascinating and interesting. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks for doing all the heavy lifting. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be back next week. All right. Bye. Bye. 